Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. I know you should never judge an article by its headline, but I couldn't help notice the most read piece on the Irish Times website this morning. Ken Early, bald fraud Guardiola, has had singular impact on game. Thanks for joining us. On today's Set Gavin's Football Podcast, hi Ken, hi Murph. Hi Owen, how are you? Okay, Ken, before you jump in with the qualifier, the bald fraud part is in inverted commas here. I didn't You're, see the inverted commas. Uh, yeah, nobody does, Murph, no. that's the point. All you see all is I a jazzy saw was phrase. Ken Early, bald fraud exposed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I saw. Did you think it was about McDevitt? <laughs> well, this is what I wanted to get to, right? I'm sure we are going to cover some of the... You're a bit of a bald ground. fraud yourself, Owen. I'm, gonna, I'm sure we're going to cover some ground here on the podcast that was covered in the article, but this is the line I have an issue with, Ken. Yeah. See, I, re- I read the whole piece. Yeah, that still leaves the question of why this phrase in particular should have become the meme. Why should fraud be the insult of choice for Guardiola rather than anything else? Yeah. Well, the more pertinent question is, why should bald be the insult for Guardiola mm. rather than anything else? Why does baldness get such a bad rap well, out It's not there? an insult. It's just a, it's just a descriptor. Of fact. So why didn't they just call I mean, him... It's not like he's the only fraud, fraud. out there. Why, didn't yeah. they just, why don't people call him a fraud and leave the meme at that? Why does because it's, not, it's, not, it's like name, surname. It's not, there's lots of frauds... You know, look around, but, you know, when you say bald fraud... It gives them a backstory. Yeah, it, it's... it's <laughs> well, it a, narrows down the list of frauds to those who don't have any hair on the top of their head. Yeah, um, and there's no debate about it. Guardiola is bald. Yeah. Um, that's not... A, there's no question about that. He looks great for it. Uh, well, that's one. He of does. I think he looks. I think he looks very handsome. He'd still rather have hair, though. No, you see, that's where you're getting it the all qu- wrong. The question is more about why, why fraud? Because it, fr- it's not like fraud is no, thrown around I'm that often. I'm going to say the question is still about baldness. You guys just don't understand. Uh, it's so, actually a weight off your mind when 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 the worst happens and the hair goes. You just forget about it. That's one less worry. So it leaves people like myself and Pep with time free to think up, in my, in my case, how to present ways yeah. of presenting the You're best damn podcast innovators. I can do. I know, and, you know, yeah. for him, it gives him time to reinvent the game of football. If only I could dedicate my time, all the time I spend on hair preparation every day, if I could just channel that, all of that energy. You might be sitting in the big chair here, Murph. Who knows? <laughs> someone, Maybe I'll shave it off. Someone actually treated you me. You should definitely shave your head. It would look kind of weird, but I'd, li- I'd like Very it. Very weird. Oh. Mo- Mono on Twitter tweeted me saying, as a Bolding City fan... I find the choice of on-page advertising tough to take, and uh, well, that's it, Owen. It's, it's just a, it's just a fic- it, He's he's given me a screenshot here of this of this awful ad, which just shows a picture of a man's balding crown with what appears to be a female finger pointing at it. Yeah. Some sort of hair replacement. Is it a female finger? Like it's hard. It's hard to tell, but it looks like it could be a woman's. Index finger pointing accusingly at a man's bald head. Mm. I mean, and I don't mean bald Guardiola bald. I mean balding, like mm. maybe you should look into some treatments. Shaving mm. treatments are very, very expensive, you know. I mean, mm. I don't know if this guy's a Premier League football manager. I don't know if it's Antonio Conte because we only see that we only see that he's been reduced to, <laughs> to just what's above we the eyebrows. We don't care about anything below the eyebrows. But that's just that's typical, isn't it? Because. This this man uh, Mono says he's a Balding City fan. Hi, Mono. I'm, I'm, I'm making an assumption that that, that Mono is a man mm-hmm. uh, because he's balding. 
But um, I, I thought, oh no. I, I, so I looked at that, the article, but when I look at the article, it shows me an ad for alcohol. <laughs> so there's, there's and when Owen and when Owen looks, probably he'll get the same ad as Mono. Yeah, that or that one about yeah. you'll never guess what uh, Deanna Troy from Star Trek. Uh, from the <laughs> Why do they think director. I'm so interested in Deanna I know, Troy? I, I don't. Know sure, I, I watch a lot of Star Trek: Next Generation. That yeah, is true. Day, but... Maybe I am interested, but I've yet to click on it, Murph. <laughs> I think I might avoid the clickbait by googling it elsewhere. Google it, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. That's always a, a trick to yeah. beat the clickbait. Yeah. Okay. Google will never I'll tell you what, you hold, you hold your Manchester City Man United thoughts for your report on sport. I do just want to mention to people that our show at the Kilkenny Cat Laughs, which is on on Friday, June 1st, that is the Bank Holiday Weekend, Friday night in Kilkenny, will be setting out very soon, but some tickets are still available. So if you want to head along to that, you can go to secondcaptains.com or the Cat Laughs website to book your tickets right away. We can't wait for that show. And I can't wait for the report on sport, Ken, so I won't wait any further. Well, Owen, it's, uh, it was a big day. It was a big weekend for football, for Derby football. Derby day, as they say. Uh, and I guess the star of the weekend was Paul Pogba. Probably, yeah. Uh, Paul Pogba. What a player this guy is. What a player. Two goals. One of them, such a classy finish past, uh, what's his name? Edison. Ederson. Uh, lovely chest control by Herrera. Pogba moving through the defense like a ghost. Like, again, no, nobody seems to, nobody's, nobody, it's like a secret agent or something, you know? Uh, Tom Cruise arrives at the tuxedo ball, you know, in Mission mm. Impossible. And this is this is the way that Pogba just strolled inside defense. Nobody sort of stopped to ask any questions. Are you sure you are you sure you're authorized? Much like Deanna Troy uh, materializing on a hostile <laughs> planet in an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, which M- McDevitt no doubt was watching. And the the, uh, the delay the delay on the finish until the goalkeeper was going. Then the second goal, and this was a really this is an interesting goal to watch. I mean, because first of all, it's it's just gone two one, and you're thinking. <clears throat> I mean, I I'm, I don't mind admitting, Owen, that when it was two 0 I thought. That's probably it for this game. The question now is, well, there's a few questions. It's like, will you know how long will City keep going for? Do they really want to to heap more goals on? Um, this these are my halftime thoughts, because during the first half, you just saw chance after chance after chance. You you saw a team creating chances almost at will, passes you know from their own half going straight up the field into the box. And thinking, where are Manchester United? Why aren't they? Why can't they just get in the way to to cling on to this game here? And it was only Sterling missing, missing, missing. Gundogan also oh, missing. Sterling, unbelievable. Uh, that 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 kept them in the game. But I didn't think they were in the game. I thought, okay, two 0 I don't see them coming back. Nobody from this. thought they were in the game. It yeah. wasn't one of those. Uh, even when the chance were, I didn't even think City fans seemed that anxious. The chances were being missed, and the sense he got was. Well, we've already celebrated our second. We've celebrated the title with that second goal, mm. and we'll just finish this off in whatever way we need to. In the second. Yeah, it did. It did. It did look that way, but of course, that wasn't the way that it was. So, City wanted it to be one way, but it was <laughs> the other way. So Pogba scores a goal, and then so so immediately it's like, oh, this is this has made this game a lot more interesting now. City have conceded a goal. They've remembered that that is something that can happen to them in matches. Uh, it brings back some unpleasant memories of recent goal concessions. Uh, they they are missing a couple of their top players, and they had they had sort of been thinking of this forty five minutes as a nice, pleasant run about the, the park until they get to celebrate at the end, uh, celebrate having won the title with their supporters. They didn't really come out thinking, you know, oh, you know, we're up for the battle. They didn't expect there to be one, and suddenly it's two one. And then the ball comes to Pogba again. And you're kind of watching Pogba because he's such a good player to watch. Just when he's running around, he's a nice mover. He is. Yeah, he just, he he just moves, moves nicely. Yeah, yeah. And so Pogba kind of moves back, knocks the ball out to Sanchez, and then sets off on this run. Now, my eyes are, are still on Pogba because I'm thinking, what a lovely stride this guy has. Where is he going? Oh, look at him. He's walking all, He's kind of jogging all the way up into the box. He's gone all the way into the box. Now, if Sanchez can just get across in there, this is going to be very... Oh, my God, it's a goal. Pogba scored again. And, I mean, I have to say, great ball by Sanchez as well. If you look at it just at the moment when he hits, when he uh, crosses the ball, there are eight Manchester City players 
just underneath, underneath the ball. <laughs> Very compact. <laughs> the cross uh, cuts out eight players and gets to Pogba. He's on the other side of those players, uh, and he scores with a great header. It's and suddenly, yeah, it's quite something to take out eight players with a ball that doesn't travel like eighty yards. Yeah, you kind of think it has to be like a mega boot from a goalkeeper to take out eight players. But. Is it eight or is it eight? It's definitely at least seven because I was I was looking at it again. I was like, how many players is this? And and it's almost the entire city team has managed to congregate in a little in a little huddled mass underneath this ball, which goes to uh, Pogba. Who soars and scores his second goal in two minutes? And I thought, this is amazing. What a player this guy is! What a pity that he was injured for the two games Manchester United played against Sevilla. What a pity that he was unavailable for those two matches and didn't play any part. Oh, wait a second. He wasn't injured. Oh, sorry. You're you're. Oh, actually, on you. Sorry, I've got the the team sheets in front of me here. You're right. Actually, he did. He came on. Came on as a substitute for who's this? Marwan Fellaini. Yeah, yeah. Marwan Fellaini uh, played the the game that Manchester United lost two one to Sevilla at Old Trafford. Played most of the game. Pogba came on uh, for the last twenty minutes or so. Scott McTominay played the other game. Pogba was saying, "Now you know." I think it's great that Jose Mourinho has, after two seasons, finally managed to figure out how to use his Paul Pogba action figure. Uh, number one. Pick him in the team. Don't pick Fellaini or McTominay. Pick Pogba. That's step number one to getting the best out of your Paul Pogba uh, world record uh, transfer action figure. Step number two, be 2-0 down at halftime if at all possible so that the tactics go completely out the window. Uh, and maybe then, you know, we'll see a little bit of... Uh, we'll see a little bit of freedom. We'll see a little bit of uh, creativity. And at the end, you can take the credit. It doesn't matter that it's taken you two seasons to work out how this guy should actually be be used on the field. Do you want to hear from the horse's mouth? I don't mean Mourinho, I mean from Paul Pogba. Pogba spoke yep. after the game with Thierry Henry. You know this feature Sky have started to do um, sometimes, right now, sometimes Carragher, not till the end of the season. Thierry Henry standing there with Pogba, two uh, uh, legends of the French national team. Is it too early to call Pogba a legend? Um... Henri still somehow is strangely awkward. <laughs> Even when, you know, he's talking to Pogba sort of peer to peer, and yet somehow there's just... <laughs> you always get the impression Henri could come out with something, some inadvertently spiky question. On this occasion, he didn't. He just asked a simple question, which got an interesting response. But we'll just play a bit of what Pogba had to say, because he's quite appreciative here of his teammate, Alexis Sanchez. And the significant bit, the bit that I'm talking about, comes towards the end of this clip, and you'll, you'll, you'll know it when you hear it. Alexis, that's, we know him. I know him, and before the game, he always tell me, when you pass me the ball, just make the run. I see you all the time. And uh, I give as well um, the credit to Michael, because every time, uh, every time after a game, he showed me the video, make those runs. Michael, she, Michael, Michael Carrick? Carrick, yes. Wow, he's, and, he's uh, going to be on the staff soon, so maybe he's already <laughs> and, uh, showing you some stuff someone that helped me a lot uh, really? with this, so... Every time after training or every time after a game, he look, he say, "Come, look, look this ring. It's very important. You can kill, you can kill because nobody can stop you." And so, why did not you do that before? It's hard to do this to make this run when you're playing two. Okay. Because I have to stay. You have to control, more in control. And when we are, when we are three players, I know that Matty stay behind, and we have the freedom, more freedom to go to go in front. It's hard to make this run when you play in two, but when you have three, then you can go. All right, so, I mean, Jose Mourinho has kind of been ignoring this. Yeah, in fairness, though, there have been <laughs> two-man midfields forever, and often one is a more attacking player who's allowed to make those runs. Mm. I don't see why it's impossible well, to make those runs. It depends. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think Mourinho likes one of his two defensive midfielders making that run because... There's a reason why he picks two defensive midfielders on, not one defensive midfielder, and that's because he wants two defensive midfielders. And if one of his two defensive midfielders is ahead of the ball, then what use is that guy? It's as though he's only got one defensive midfielder. So that's not good. I mean, Mourinho has been has been kind of denying this for for nearly two seasons. And, you know, the, he, he says stuff like, oh, some people, you know, the Einsteins, the experts think, play, think midfielders should play without, without responsibility. They think they should always just attack. They should never, they don't have to defend. Well, I don't see the game that way. 
you know? And the counter-argument to that is that you've got a player who was almost uniquely equipped to be, uh, you know, a, an absolute, a really dominant attacking midfielder who can score goals, create goals. He's got vision, he's got power, you know, he's he, he's, he can make a huge impact. And for some reason, you kind of have him back in a, in a role where you know, an ordinary player could do it. McTominay can do it. McTominay can maybe do it better because he's not as... He's not as ambitious. He's not going to try risky things in an area of the field where you don't feel risk is appropriate. So you're wasting the ability of this player, you know? And, and what's more, we, we see a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, what was the Duncan Castles article the other day? The player is interested in fashion, shoes, music, and hair. Yeah, you see. Like that. You see? Like a, like a footballer's wife from the 90s. You see what's happening here? What's, what's that? Pogba's biggest issue in terms of his image? Hair. If he didn't have hair... A bald Paul Pogba, <laughs> a bald Paul Pogba would have no issues at all and would be revered as a hard man midfielder in British football. Yeah, that's probably true, actually. It's definitely true. I mean, hard man midfielders. Can you think of any hard man midfielders who have paid a lot of attention to their hair? Hmm. I mean, Kante have has Kante ever had a hairstyle? He's not really a hard man midfielder. He's he's more, you know. Patrick Vieira David Batty always kept a, it simple. I don't think David Batty. Yeah, it was a keep it simple type, type of. Roy uh, Keane let it grow out, but I don't think with any particular rhyme or reason, and then just shaved it off, and yeah. did look more fearsome when shaved yeah. off. I would argue. Yeah, hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, Didier Deschamps, short back and sides. Was he? Even there really was a, there was a haircut you could set your watch. He <laughs> really, he really could. <laughs> he looked like. Uh, it was like. Well, uh, wait, when you look at Petit, photos, Emmanuel Petit. Now there is one. Not really a hard man though. Not wow. really a hard man midfielder. I mean, sure. There's a man who's never been tackled in midfield by Emmanuel besides, Petit in his Arsenal besides, Emmanuel Petit didn't have a hairstyle. He just had long hair in a ponytail. It but wasn't it was like... The, it was the turn of the millennium, Ken. That was pretty ballsy, I would have thought. Not in France. If he brought that all the way over to England yeah. again. Not in France. I mean, did he, Jay Chomp was one of those players how... You know the way you look at old, photo, old photographs, you're like, how did young people in the past look so old? Mm. It's like when you look at photographs in the 90s of Deschamps' team, it's like, how does Deschamps look so old in these photographs? He's only like 27. Yeah, but, you know, you got to put pity in the, the milieu of the time. I mean, he was in London, 95, 96, 97, all that. You know, it was a very uncool haircut to have. Yeah. You know, I don't know, Ken, I... Yeah, well, I, 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 Sunes had a perm, death. did he? Who? Sunes had a perm at one stage. He did, but they all did. That was kind of just—it was almost a herding thing. Every everyone in the team had a permanent mustache, so it wasn't like it would have been more daring and individualistic. Not to have had a perm, exactly. Um, but uh, so what's so what's going on? So there's so so I don't know why I don't know why this hasn't been happening all along. Why Pogba hasn't been playing this type of position uh, a position where he's free to join him at the attack without having to worry too much. I mean they've got players who can fill in. They've got Matic, they've got Herrera, they've got you know even even McDominay. I don't see I don't see why not. You know for that kind of there's no point in taking a player with these kind of unique gifts and having him do a job that a lesser player could do. It just seems like a like a bad use of resources. I mean management is about making the most of what you've got. And this it seems to me would is a way to make the best of Paul Pogba. And maybe Jose Mourinho has figured this out now. It's a pity for Manchester United that it took so long, but better late than never. Um as to what was going on, I mean there, there was also the drama surrounding Pogba on Friday, which we didn't get a chance to talk about because it happened after we kind of recorded our last podcast of the week. But this was Guardiola revealing in the pre match press conference that Mina Raiola had offered Paul Pogba to Manchester City. Now, I'm not quite sure, first of all, how that actually works. Because it's Manchester United's decision as to whether they're going to sell uh, Pogba. And at the time, you remember, Alexis Sanchez was joining Manchester United and he was going to become the best-paid player at the club. Which, I think, Mina would, was looking at and going, well, this this offends me. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. This My blood is boiling now, but I'm, I'm offended by this. Sure, my player signed a contract one and a half seasons ago for a stupendous quantity of money, but now he's no longer the best-paid player at the club. Is this really good enough? So he was trying to get more money. United were like, listen, Mino, <laughs> some balls on you coming in here and asking for more money at this point. Uh, so they, you know, they, they told him, look, Mino, not now. This is not a good time. And Mino, I think, was going around trying to see if he could get a better offer. One of the obvious places where you might be able to get a better offer is is Manchester City. Um, but, of course, he also came out with this stuff about how Pep Guardiola was a zero and a dog, an absolute dog, a zero, a priest, etc., etc. 
Guardiola um, decided to have a go back by revealing, oh, yeah, he says I'm a dog, but for some reason he wants a dog coaching his, his player because he's offered that player to... He's obviously trying to cause a bit of trouble there. Um, uh, Guardiola and Mino, we know the relationship is not the best, was Jose's comment. <laughs> it's normal. Sometimes they come with a little touch in each other. I wasn't worried about it. Uh, a little touchy. I have to say, it is. It has mainly been Mino, you know, having having pops at Guardiola down the years. So you don't have any problem with Guardiola having to pop back and revealing that information? Well, I don't. There's tons of information that managers could reveal if they chose it. Yeah. On any given day about dealings behind the behind the scenes, but he obviously. And it was funny, even how he did it. He sort of he said, "Oh, there are things I could say, but I won't say them." And a, a gentle. A little bit more gentle prodding from the journalists. He then <laughs> came out with them. Yeah, yeah. He 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 didn't read. He he, <laughs> he obviously wanted to say something about that. You've twisted my arm. I am not interested in knowing which one is the liar and which one is the honest guy. I am not interested in that. Well, Jose is not interested. I'm not too interested either. But looking at what we know, what we've heard, I think I've explained how I how I think this happened. Um. As the whether Pogba will be joining Manchester City, I'm pretty sure he won't. Uh, and as to whether he'll still be at Man United next season, well, maybe that's become more likely. You know, to to have a big performance in a game such as that, to score two goals like that—that's the kind of thing that will be remembered for years. You know, this is what it's all about. So maybe they can find a way to work together, and maybe it involves Mourinho doing what people, the Einsteins, have been telling him to do all along. Uh, and if so, I'd expect to see better from Pogba. Uh, anyway, we'll be talking more about City and United in a few minutes. Oh, time. we'll be talking more about City and United now. Oh. Don't worry about oh, it. Yeah. Oh, you're going to continue. Oh. That was my attempt to prod you on to Spurs because I know you want to talk about Spurs. Oh but no, listen, we'll get to Spurs. It's your report on sport, Ken. Um, her, there was I'm, the I'm Herrera. Just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm little other than a bald presenter. I don't here. know. <laughs> I don't you along. I don't know. City are getting a bit rattled here. I mean, there was the whole thing with the bus last week. Guardiola can bring out the door, and then there's Herrera spitting on their crest. And, I mean, I find this absolutely unbelievable. You know, uh, some of the papers reporting City, for instance, The Guardian City believed the Spaniards spat on the crest intentionally. The crest, this is the big the big floor crest, Manchester City's crest, um, on the way into the tunnel at half time. Herrera spat. Um, I mean, the idea that he's done that deliberately to spit on their crest. I mean, okay, there's video evidence clearly showing him spitting on the crest. But, they spit all the time. It's a hard one to prove. That's what you're saying. It's completely ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't completely put it past Ferreira. But on the other hand, the idea that you would bring it up as a as an issue, I think says more about the state of mind at Manchester City at the moment, the sort of embattled state of mind. Again, judging articles by headlines. When I first saw the headline, I thought, ooh, this is juicy. Yeah. Who's, who, what... Manchester City player was wearing this jersey with this Man City crest on. <laughs> why? Why aren't we talking about him spitting on a play? And oh, all right, it's a it's a crest on the ground painted on there. I mean, but but if the if there is that sort of embattled feeling at, at City, maybe they're reflecting or mirroring the mood of their their manager, you know. And this is like Guardiola talking after the game about um, I have to think about this. I've dropped a lot of Champions League games in ten or fifteen minutes. I have to think about this. Barcelona, nil all after 77 minutes, 90 minutes, 3-0. It's happened many times. This is the Bayern Munich game, 2015. Um, maybe it's my fault, I have to think about it, but I feel when you dominate and create chances, you're closer to winning the game. So all of this is coming up now again. Guardiola, you know, his teams can't defend, blah, blah, blah. His teams have the best defensive record of the league in seven out of the eight seasons that he has been a manager, and they currently have the best defensive record in the league, even after getting stuffed uh, three goals the other day. So they're doing something right. You have to say they're doing something right. But of course, you know, if it's happening in, in these big games at the end of the season, then it's all anybody remembers. I mean, what I found surprising about the, the team that Guardiola picked was the fact that it wasn't a full-strength team. There was De Bruyne was, was left out. One of Gabriel Jesus' Sergio Aguero certainly belongs on a full-strength city team. And I thought, I'm surprised because, okay, they've got this game on Tuesday, but Oh, they're just in a difficult situation now. That losing that game on Wednesday means this is a tough situation. If they lose this game, this I'm thinking before before the game, they have lost the game. If they lose the game, this sours everything. It sours the the season. It means that at the moment when they should be sort of celebrating the 
the title win. Instead, they've got Manchester United laughing at them. You know, laugh, laugh. it doesn't matter that they're going to win. They've got to win the league. They won the league months ago. This was the game that they had to win. Now it's like people, this is the game that will be remembered from this season in which they've blown away the league. The, uh, the argument is that the second leg of the Champions League is obviously way more important because they're going to win the league regardless. But I do agree with you because there was a lot of analysis leading up to the game suggesting that they would field actually a much more weakened team than they ended up fielding that they might just throw out the reserves well that, I thought that was that was crazy but yeah. it turns out that analysis was at least partly on the yeah. money because yeah. well, Kevin, well, they left out the Royals their best yeah, player yeah, yeah. And now, uh, now I think that that's I think that's stupid because okay they're still in the the the, the way that you would look at it if you were you know AlphaGo is to say although I'm, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming this a bit AlphaGo I don't know maybe AlphaGo would, would, would be more holistic in its judgement <laughs> You know, the Pep is supposed to be a holistic manager. That was what Man City were looking for. Supposed to take account of all the factors. Not simply, we've still got a chance in this Champions League game. We've still got a chance of going through. Whereas with the league, it doesn't matter if we lose this game because our chance of winning the league is like 99.9%. Even if we lose, it's still 99.9%. Whereas with the Champions League, you know, we need to sort of focus on that totally now. But that's ignoring the fact that it's against Manchester United. It's ignoring the how important the game is for for all the supporters. It's ignoring the psychological effect that it's going to have on your team. You know, the best thing to do would have been to go and and to have two halves like the first half. You know, if they'd managed to if they managed to, to remember what a good team they are. Instead of which it's like we've got the glassiest glass jaw in the history of glass. You know, it's like we're just this crystal mandible. That we, this is, it's like, what are we? What are we like? You know what I mean? We could we could blow up at any moment. Guardiola, oh, I've got to think about that. You know what? And, and Guardiola, does he look? Is maybe it's it, it's possible that at this point in the season, the most important thing a manager has to do is to look and sound and feel confident, like to try to get everybody thinking that way. Because instead of what we saw from Pep, did you see the video of him in the press conference before the game with the phones? Oh, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, he was moving the phones around in a slightly OCD manner. Well, he was lighting all the phones what, what and squaring them all off. The, he, you know, someone is, there was one of his answers, I think, is being translated into Spanish. There must have been some Spanish journalists there. And Pep is just waiting for this. And, and as he waits, he's, he's sitting at a table with all of the phones and kind of recorders in front mm. of him to tape what he's saying. And he just starts lining them up. Really square, neatly. Squaring them away. Square, square, square. Then looks at the ones on the other side and says, square, 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 square. And I was thinking, Pep, do you realise you're on camera? Like, stop doing this. I, was, I thought it was quite an, an interesting insight into how his mind works. Do you think that he looked panicky? That, well, that like was a he's sign en- that... He's, he's engaging in like self-comforting sort of mm. behaviour trying to tidy up well, this should be tidy, tidy, tidy. Uh, it should be tidy. The chaos of this table. The chaos of this table. You know, I can't. I, it's not. It's not I think really. You might be ascribing too much. I mean, I find myself doing that from time to time when I'm. Do you? Well, you know, if there's a ton of stuff on my desk, I'm going to try and clear it up. And if I can't walk to the bin and tidy all that up, then I'm probably going to try and make it as. T- I mean, I don't think I'm unique, and I don't think Pep Guardiola is unique in that either. Yeah. I think. That fits into the type of person that you probably think Pep Guardiola is. Therefore, you're. I thought it made him look a bit antsy, to be honest, mm. Kieran. But just a touch, just a touch on the antsy side. Mm. Now, uh, look, uh, and, and okay, the, the, when you see him after the game, he's talking to he's talking to um, Shrevesy. First of all, he gets stumped because Shrevesy throws something like, "How did that get away from you?" And uh, Guardiola is like. Get away, what? And uh, so once he kind of figures out what that means, mm. um, he goes on and, and Shreve's kind of asked him another couple of questions. And at some point, Guardiola's patience just snaps and he's like, look, you have to try to understand. You have to try to, you know, and he was basically like, you don't, you don't understand. If you ask these kinds of questions, you just don't get it. So, which is again, him being, him being a bit patronizing because you don't get to do that when you just lost in such an embarrassing way. And you've lost two, two matches in such an embarrassing You don't really get to do that. I mean, uh, you know, I was thinking about the the Muller Wolf part. You, you remember the, the the doctor at Bayern? Yep, doctors of the stars. Can... He's been having a few pops at Pep recently. Well, he had a book out, didn't he? He did, and he was on a, he was on some German chat show 
where he went on and, and made more things. But the thing that he said about Pep was, uh, I consider Pep Guardiola a person with low self-esteem. He will do everything to hide it from others. Now, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I don't know if he, don't know if he necessarily is that keen on hiding it. Well, sometimes you can kind of, sometimes he doesn't hide it that well. He, he seems to live in constant fear of losing power and authority rather than defeats, says Miller Volfart. Now, I'm not sure about that either. I actually think Pep seems really afraid. I, 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 I rarely see a manager suffer as, as obviously and as much with a defeat. You know, it's like, oh, God. Um, you know, and I think he... You know, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't agree with this. But he did criticize him as well for this is Motorball Report when he went to the chat show. He was like, you know, the thing I didn't like about this guy was it was always about the player being ready to play rather than the, the health of the player. It wasn't about the health of the player. It was, can you get them on the field? And if not, why not? You know, and I just, I just thought this was disgusting because I'm me, I'm patient first. As a physician, it's all about the patient. And I thought, this is a bit rich. This is a bit rich coming from the guy who stood there on the sideline at the Maracanã and watched the concussed Christoph Kramer stagger around the pitch for 15 minutes until he collapsed and was stretchered off. This is the guy for whom health and the patient comes first. What if I was there? Oh, some of us haven't forgotten. Some of us haven't forgotten. I think Otamendi, I think it was Otamendi who laid him out. It was Otamendi or, or, or the other Ezekiel Garay, one of the big Argentine center halves, planted a shoulder into the head of Kramer, dropped him. He was sparked out. Muller Wolfart runs on. Nah, I think he's all right. 15 minutes of, of Kramer sleepwalking around. He still can't remember a single detail of the World Cup final, by the way. He collapsed and they had to cart him off. So that's Muller Wolfart. You know, that everyone makes mistakes, I suppose. Um, but this idea that, you know, constant fear of losing parents, it's, it feeds into very much what this, this sort of uh, Zlatan uh, attitude, you know, Guardiola, like he, he's actually a kind of a nervous wreck. Um, and I don't know, I mean, seeing him over the last little while, <laughs> you can imagine just Ribery and Mandzukic and Zlatan and all of these kinds of players who didn't, who, who disliked Guardiola and think he's like a, a joke. Uh, a ball fraud. Exactly. Um, feeling delighted with themselves. I mean, they do still have, there's still a chance. There's still a chance tomorrow. You know, get the first goal in this game tomorrow. Who knows? It's, it's like, it's a nervy enough situation that Liverpool are in. I mean, you, you, you've, what we've seen is two matches uh, in which one of the teams scored three goals in 45 minutes. And City have 90 minutes to score three goals. Or maybe four. Or maybe five. I mean, and not concede any. Well, if they score three or four, all I'm saying is it's it ain't over till it's over, Owen. Yep. Um, but it's it's looking pretty. Uh, it's looking grim at the moment. Now, there's a couple of other things we should mention. I see that Mohamed Salah has won the PFA Player of the Month for the fourth time in a row, or not not rather for the fourth time this season. And well, I don't know when the votes are done. I mean, it seems like the voting has kind of taken place in the last couple of weeks, and it probably is between him and and Kevin De Bruyne now. And it could be, I mean, they, they just faced off in a big game there, and I suppose we'll be doing so again tomorrow night. And so that was the one who kind of, kind of came out on top. But also involved in this, uh, in this race is uh, Harry Kane. And uh, I don't know if you saw any of the Tottenham game against Stoke on. I was watching it. It was actually a very good game. Um, Harry Kane scored a goal, or at least he thought he had. But they took it off on my own. Yeah, he wasn't happy. He was adamant that he had scored. Ericsson was like, Ericsson walked past him in the post-match injury. He's like, stop going on about the goal, please. <laughs> I swear in my daughter's life that I touched the ball, says Harry Kane. Mm. But there's nothing Jeez. I can do. Harry. If they turn it around, they turn it around. Have you ever heard a man so desperate for a goal bonus? Yeah. If they turn it around, they turn it around. If they take my word, they can take my word. It is what it is. The most important thing is that we won the game. Now, of course, Harry Kane gets paid less than his chairman, Daniel Levy. Um... And those goal bonuses do add up. Uh, this was uh, this was put to Maurizio Pochettino before the game. Uh, uh, this was oh, it turns out Daniel Levy just doubled his own pay and is paying himself more than anybody anybody in the club. I mean, what do, what does that do to your all for one, one for all ethos here at Tottenham, Maurizio? I think if the sum is true, well done, says Pochettino. It is true because it's in your accounts: six million and thirteen thousand pounds. <laughs> My feeling is he deserves it. 
because he's working so hard for the club. He's doing a fantastic job for 16 or 17 years. It's not an issue. It's not a problem for the players or for us, as Pochettino, whose best defender of last season, Toby Alderweireld, is, is leaving the club, apparently so angry is he with the pay situation. I think it's a question maybe we talk too much about. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy with my salary. I'm not comparing my salary with anyone else's. If I'm happy, I sign my contract, and then I cannot complain because no one puts a gun against my head. Then that's true. But it's true in one sense. You signed the contract. You agreed to work for this. How can you complain? Well, the reason you're complaining is because you've learned new information since signing the contract. The same guy who was telling you that we needed to keep your wages under control is paying himself way more than you're getting. Apparently, you don't need to keep his wages under control. So that sort of does change things. You know, Pochettino is, is trying to kind of wave this away, but... Well, this yeah. kind of he's, say, he's saying all the right things. Yeah, although, you know, if, if, if it's about working hard being reflected in your salary, then I expect big pay rises all around the Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. Because I see a lot of guys working very hard. I mean, in this game, they, they, they had to work hard. Stoke, obviously a relegation-threatened, desperate situation for them. Uh, did quite well in the first half. Ericsson eventually got the goal. Then Stoke equalized, and this was an interesting situation. Uh, Man Biram Diouf threw on goal clattered by um, Lloris then got to his feet kind of looked around spotted the ball rolled it into the net and collapsed to the ground and was like well I was I was having Kramer flashbacks to the World Cup final you know I was like look at the state of Diouf and then watching him uh, in in this, they, they left him on watching him in the subsequent moves I'm like Diouf is moving very strangely he's kind of his arms are kind of waving around, flopping by his sides as he tries to lurch around the field. I mean, surely they'd be better off with someone else on here. And then eventually, Stoke, a 2-1 down, uh, there's a great break by one of the midfielders, and they've got a 5-on-1 break. When was the last time you saw a 5-on-1 break? But unfortunately for them, the ball is at the feet of Man Biram Diouf, who has no idea what's going on around him. And he thinks it's a 10-on-2 break. And, he's, and he kind of wanders into the box, looks around in a confused manner, and doesn't do anything. And that was possibly the end of Stoke's 10 years in the Premier League right there. So I think there is a, a case, if you have a player who does appear to be, you know, impaired, that even though he's a good player and you really want to have him on the field at all times, sometimes uh, players aren't necessarily in the best possible shape yeah football likes to talk about the work it's done in this area but some more work to do apparently yeah a lot done more to do Owen mm -hmm. um, maybe they didn't they didn't have great uh, quality on the bench but look um, sometimes uh, better the unconcussed devil you don't know rather than yeah anyway that's it for today's report on sport first of all I'd like to welcome John Delaney here today trying to be critical as well being possible Building a house, we build the foundations first, the chimneys at the top, the chimney for us. It's international football. It's about to, to, to join the you know, um... uh, The pleasure, the entertainment, the organisation, the skills that you take to everybody is fantastic. But if you don't have a chimney, unless you've got a very strong foundation. Pep Guardiola failed to summon up much of an explanation for his team's collapse on Saturday. I think his standout line was that Manchester United found the actions. That doesn't really explain very much at all, so we're going to ask Jonathan Wilson to illuminate. Jonathan... What actions did Manchester United found, find? What exactly happened to Manchester City? Um, I don't really know. Um, but what is true is that this keeps on happening to Guardiola's sides. Um, that for some reason they, you know, they, 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 they're dominant for pretty much the entire season. They get to a big game and they suddenly let in two or three goals in a 15 or 20 minute spell. So it's happened twice against Liverpool this season. It, it happened on, on Saturday. It happened to his Bayern side uh, in the semi-finals against both Real Madrid and Barcelona, and it, it, it happened to an extent last season in the Monaco game that they, they you know they let in two goals in eight minutes, I think it was, rather than sort of three in twenty. But it also happened uh, the Leicester game last season when it was three 0 down in, in in twenty minutes. So there is something about them that um, you not only is a defence vulnerable if you can get at them, which is obviously very difficult. Uh, but you know, I think we've we've recognised for a while that if you get beyond the midfield, if you actually can attack the the two centre backs, there are there are opportunities there. But it's actually something psychological as well that once one goal goes in, there's sort of a 15, 20 minute panic that they're unable to to arrest. 
and you end up saying something which sounds horribly sort of old-fashioned that, that you know, they, they lack leaders and I, I you know, so I never thought hear myself saying that I, you know, it's, it's such a sort of old-school thing that I've you know I think we sort of try to move away from that sort of simplicity of analysis but maybe there's something there that that they don't have the kind of leader maybe it's because they're so sort of um, subordinated to the system to the philosophy that uh, actually sort of grabbing a game and, and dragging it your way just doesn't come naturally to those players. I mean, what about Big Vince, though, Jonathan? I mean, I, I remember a few years back, Big Vince nailed one in from a corner kick, just the same as he did in the first half the other day. Uh, they actually they ended up winning that game 1-0 and won the title because of it. And afterwards, all I remember it was Big Vince for president. You, you know, has there ever been a leader like this man in the Premier League? But he was there. He was still on the on the field as as everything sort of fell apart from the, for them in, in actually the last two matches. So, I mean, there's an example of someone who kind of has had all the qualities traditionally associated with a leader. Like, look at this guy. Look at this guy. What a leader. By which usually is meant... Look at the size of this guy, but he hasn't got any smaller. He hasn't got any smaller since then. So, what, so why wouldn't he be able to to still lead? <laughs> maybe maybe he is smaller. I mean, obviously not smaller physically, but somehow smaller psychologically. Um, I mean, yeah. You don't don't get me wrong. I still think that Guardiola's philosophy, his way of playing, is the most interesting form of football at the moment. Uh, you know, I think it does produce the most aesthetically pleasing results. It may even be the best form. But there is this flaw there that players within it somehow become slightly diminished, that their their personalities, their individuality has to be so subsumed to the system that some of the, the, the passion and the energy that, that you need to grab a game and, and, and you know, drag it your way, maybe some of that's, that is lost, that you need these sort of... You know, there's that great line of, of Zlatan Ibrahimovic where he, he talked about Barca's players being these sort of polite little schoolboys and that is what you need in Guardiola's system. You don't, you don't need the, the sort of the, the big heroes. They're, they're the players who don't fit in. And they're the players that Guardiola has to sort of shave off over off edges. But maybe in doing that, you lose a bit of that personality that, that you need when games start to go against you. Uh, Guardiola's Man City have been incredible this season, uh, Jonathan. Um, so why does everybody take such glee out of their defeats? Is it because Guardiola, as Ken suggested in his article this morning, is a bald fraud exposed? No, I didn't. Su- <laughs> I, did, I didn't suggest that. We've been through it already, Jonathan. It's it's, it's okay. But uh, the the people who do feel he's a bald fraud exposed, why are they so willing? Why are they so uh, dead set on having this bald fraud exposed? I, I think there's there's two answers there. There's a, the um, there's a kind of obvious answer that you know, we we kind of don't really like this sort of bald intellectual technician coming over and telling us how to play the game that we did after all invent. Yeah, but once again, why is the bald thing being brought into it, John? This is an absolute disgrace. <laughs> well, you brought speaking, it in. I just, I just as a bald man. Said, sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm getting, getting sidetracked by that again. Continue have you ever noticed, Stone, have you bald managers throughout the top of the game? Not enough. That's why football is a technically, <laughs> technologically stunted sport. They need more bald men to bring in the, the big-time thinking. Sorry, Jonathan, back to you. But I, I think actually the more interesting reason, I think it's something you, that you touched on last week, is there something weird goes on with the dynamic that when when Guardiola plays Mourinho, it, it's sort of the I mean you know I've I've, I've talked about this many times it's it, it's the sort of the, the Christ figure kind of carrying on, um, you know, the the, the you know, carrying forth the holy word of Christ against the fallen angel, the man who's brought up in that system who's turned against it, and so the, you know these. Uh, these regiments carrying the the light of progressive football into the darkness against the cynics, and so you know, sort of as a, we might see that as being slightly boring, slightly sanctimonious, but you know they they have general support. But when he plays against Klopp, as he did last week, you know, the, the the dynamic changes. You can't. You know, Klopp's not an, an angel of darkness. You know, he's 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 not a force for bad in the game. He's just sort of this, as you said, this Dionysian, a bullion figure this force for chaos. And so what you then, you City find yourself cast as this incredibly expensive, incredibly powerful machine with one fatal flaw. And that's not a heroic condition to be in. That's, that's the Death Star. And so you end up with, you know, in, in a very weird sort of about turn, the, the, the Messiah, the Christ figure, is also Darth Vader. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't. I hope that Jose Mourinho isn't listening to this in case he gets jealous of, of what you're saying about Guardiola now. I mean, is is it time to uh, 
time to give Mourinho the credit that he deserves. I mean, do, 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 would you put would you talk this result down as, yeah, that's Jose. Um, I don't know if I'd talk it down. I mean, it was a very strange game, and I still don't quite understand how City lost it. Um, I mean, you've got to give Jose credit for you know, having you know, exposed that flaw and worked on that weakness. But at the same time, City should have won. I mean, they could have been, you know, if Sterling had scored those two chances that had been fallen up at half time, the, the Gundian chance, the I mean, one very clear penalty, one possible penalty City should have had, they hit the woodwork twice in the second half. So, I mean, that could, he wouldn't have taken a very different series of events with the same sort of pattern of game for us to be talking about Mourinho humiliated, having lost this game sort of 5 or 6 1. How does he possibly come back? Should he resign? So, there's something very odd about what happened on Saturday. And I think, yeah, the fundamental fact that Mourinho's only won 5 out of 21 encounters with Guardiola. That remains significant, just as it's significant that Klopp's won 7 of 13 against Guardiola. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I think this highlights City's flaw and Guardiola's flaw rather than necessarily being evidence for, for some great sort of Mourinho fight back. Having said that, um, it was, I think, a little bit like the uh, Copa del Rey semi-final second leg in January 2012. When Barcelona had won 2-1 at the Bernabeu, back at the Camp Nou, Barca went 2-0 up. And then Real Madrid, sort of with, with nothing left to lose, attacked, scored twice in the second half. And suddenly there was a sort of recognition of, well, hang on, this lot aren't invulnerable, this lot aren't unbeatable. And the, you know, the four or five months of season that remained, you saw other teams attack Barcelona and Real Madrid go on to win the title. So it may be that we look back on that game as being, OK, although the, the game itself was quite weird, the lessons from it have started to tip the balance. But, you know, that's something that we, we find out next season. Yeah, well, do you think that we will see, for instance, more of Paul Pogba playing the kind of way that he uh, was playing uh, on Saturday? I mean, OK, the, the circumstances were strange, as you as you mentioned. When you go 2-0 down, you don't really have anything to lose anymore. Uh, and, and maybe the mentality is a little bit different. But this was the kind of performance this is the Pogba was doing the kind of things that uh that everybody was expecting to see most of the time from him well he was in the second half in the first half he was doing the kind of things he's been doing all season and everybody's been criticizing him for him in the first half performance he was just awful he was well Joe, I mean, heavy... Mourinho said I, I said to my midfielders you know you can't be any better than you were I mean do you, do you think that was a, that was a kind of a a sarcastic dig at, at Paul Pogba, or, or or was it some kind of insincerity from Mourinho? I mean, he did he did make a point of saying I I couldn't have asked for more from them for, for more from them in the first half. They they were that good. Wow, <laughs> that I mean, okay. Two things. I, I have to say, when I was watching it, I did. Yeah, I did think of, I did think the same way as you because he was just he was doing the sort of stuff that you know is going to annoy Mourinho. Like when any midfield player dribbles the ball in his own half and then loses it, you know that Mourinho is going to be angry with that. Yeah, and there was a moment when he was out muscled by Raheem Sterling. As I say, his touch looked heavy. He just looked a player sort of yeah out of you know who'd lost faith in himself. And then suddenly he scores and everything's very different and that's the sort of Pogba that you know, we, we want to see. Um, he seemed to be playing slightly further forward in the second half. I don't know if that was a deliberate tactical ploy or that's just sort of the way the, the game panned out. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he can play like that and if Alexis Sanchez can play like that, then suddenly you think, well, actually, maybe United can challenge for the title next season. But that doesn't really fit with what we've seen in the rest of the season. Jonathan, brilliant stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers, thanks. There have been some 
little leaders. Paddy Rock and Barrow. Gilesy, Bremner. Yeah. Um, Javier Mascarano strikes me as a leader. Yeah. In the, in the modern game. Not yeah. Particularly a big fella. What about Lionel Messi, Owen? What about Messi? So is, there is he types not of more of a leader? Yeah. When he scores a hat-trick, as he did the other mm. uh, on Saturday night, is that not leadership? That's Owen? a kind of leadership. It's true. Yeah. But it's not really the leadership we're talking about, is it? So we're no. talking about Premier League. Leadership. We don't want anything provable. We just want something that feels right when we see it. Yeah. You know, a Gary big, Cahill. Big, big lad, big muscles. No matter how terrible it sees me. Well, you know, he's a leader, though. <laughs> well, you know? look, at he, Gary Cahill has got great posture. Gary Cahill, Joe Hart. Unbelievable. There posture. must have been someone in that, you know, there must have been someone working with, like, Lillis Hall or, you know, the English teaching posture to that generation of English players. Yeah. Because the one thing I will say about Gary Cahill and Joe Hart is they're Posture is immaculate. They're nearly going to topple backwards. That's how straight they're back. Joe, I mean, they're not going to fall forward. Joe Hart, incidentally, heroics for um, mm. for West Ham against Chelsea the other, the other day. Booked uh, his ticket on the plane, according to the Sky highlights I was watching. Well, I, don't, I mean, is he not England's goalkeeper? Well, well, is he, is he not the number well, one? Well, apparently they were seeing England's number four, Adam. Oh, God. Yeah, which well, is, you know, come on now. It's tough enough. The big question for Manchester City now is not when they'll wrap up the league, because they'll presumably do that in their next game, but can they pull the Champions League quarterfinal against Liverpool out of the bag tomorrow night? As you know, this Monday podcast is open to everyone, but if you're signed up to the World Service, you'll get your Champions League pod with all the reaction during the week. Kieran Canning has been at Pep Guardiola's press conference today. Kieran, was he in defiant mood? I think you could say he was positive Pep today, sometimes with Guardiola, even when his teams are playing brilliant football and sweeping all before them. Um, he's, he's keen to try and play things down, whereas today I think he realises, given what's happened in the past week, that, that what City needs is a positive message um, in the sense that, that this really is possible tomorrow night, as tough as a task may be to come back from, from 3-0 down, totally against the Liverpool side that's going to love the, the way the game is set up tomorrow night with, with City having to come at them. Um, but Guardiola went on some length, really, about no matter what happens tomorrow night, it's been a, it's a pleasure to be to be the manager of this Manchester City team, and that sooner or later um, they will have a big defining European night. He was, was cautious to say that might not be tomorrow night, but but given the way that they've improved this season from last, and he suggested that he believes that next season will be even better than this, um, that that sooner or later you know, City will get it right in Europe. Was there much raking over the the embers of Saturday? I mean, I know you were there. Um, maybe maybe you have a better idea or, or can give us a better description of why the game changed so radically. Guardiola's comment was they found the actions, which kind of might he might as well have have said they kicked the ball into our goal. Uh, I wondered if you had any uh, clearer idea of what went on. No, I mean, I think it's, uh, if anyone wants a laugh, then have a look through some journalist timelines from uh, Twitter timelines from, from the weekend to see what we were all saying at halftime. Because I think we all saw it going more 4 5 0 to, to City than United's coming back. Pep has kind of consistently, consistently said, not just referring to Saturday, but also to the game at Anfield last week. He keeps going on the fact that it's only 10, 15 minute periods that are costing City. And the, the opposition teams, as he puts it, arrives, you know, they have two attacks and they, they score twice without really going into the details of why that is and how City can, can stop that happening. And it's, it's been a recurring theme of Guardiola's career, not just at, at City, but, you know, big European games, Bayern Munich against Barcelona, 0-0, nearly 75 minutes, they lose 3-0. They score conceded three times very quickly to Real Madrid in the semi-final in 2014. With Bayern, so it's possibly some sort of fragility within his teams. The way that they, you know, they are, they do tend to be so good. They, they, they tend to control the ball and thereby control the game for so long that when that control goes, even for short periods of time, they leave themselves so open. And I think that's what makes their task even more difficult tomorrow night because they they're going to have to go for it um, from the first first whistle. And there's really it's hard to think about a, a worse team to do that against than this uh, than this current Liverpool team. So I think if City are going to go through, they're probably going to have to, to score five um, because you can't see them at the moment keeping a clean sheet. Well, if you were, I mean, I, I, do you do you believe they have a chance? If you were the if you were the one who was tasked with with uh, whipping them up into a pre-match frenzy, what would you say to them? 
I think they've got a chance. Um, I think that, I mean, I know there's there's different circumstances here because Manny was sent off very early on. But, I mean, there's no, no reason to suggest why something like that couldn't happen tomorrow night. You know, the, the City beat Liverpool 5-0 earlier in the season. And with the amount of attacking talent they have, and Guardiola is very keen to stress that, referring to Saturday as well, that the number of chances that they create and, and do tend to create in every game, if they are clinical, again, that's another big if, but you, when you look at the City team of Saturday compared to what will play tomorrow night, if those two chances that Sterling had at, at 2-0 fall to Aguero, you know, it could be it could have been 4-0 before half-time and, and that tomorrow night, City have to hold on to the, the hope that, that they will be as clinical as they, can, they possibly can be. And um, and 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 if they can, then obviously you know try and, and keep a clean sheet. But I think that's going to be uh, the most difficult thing, and therefore they've just got to go for it and trust that their attacking football is going to be enough to get them through. Kieran Canning, thanks for the update. Thanks, guys. He agrees with plenty, just it's always who's saying it, it's never what's actually said. 90% of anything is who's saying this, and 10% is what are they actually saying. So, the 90% in Giles' case is, oh, it's that twat. John is the best football brain in the world. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. Never let you do. But if you're talking about the, the, the press, which you're talking about, have this you know, opinion of Guardiola, it doesn't necessarily mean that football people have. Yeah, I, I think I do like Ken Early's work. He writes fluently and thinks uh, cogently, but uh, I think he's wrong. The press come and go, as we know. You mentioned Ken Early. Well, yeah. you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with anything Ken Early says about football. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, what can you, what can you do? You can't please everyone. Well, I think that's enough of the build-up for now. Tomorrow night is the main event, Ken. Your yeah. prediction. You seem to be leaning towards a bit of a belief that Manchester City can turn this around, but I'm going to throw it at you that the lack of an away goal is the killer here. The lack of an away goal makes it And very, Liverpool's ability to score goals. Makes it very difficult. Um, just because of the, the fact that you've got to kind of go all out, but, you know... It's you can't you can't really leave yourself. You can't afford to leave yourself vulnerable. Um, I mean, obviously, you got You got to expect the side that's winning three 0 to to be in the semi final. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not in the semi final, yeah. you know, nobody. If if Manchester City do manage to resurrect, this is one way of wiping away oh, what yeah. happens to them on Saturday. That you know, no, immediately uh, most. it will all be forgotten. Forget everything. It's as though this never happened. All that mattered is. Is Jurgen Klopp went pop, and uh, you know he he is now the clown. As as Mourinho was saying, do you want to be the clowns? Do you want to be the, this is a, this is a favorite theme of Mourinho actually. It was the same thing that he said to the said after the Chelsea the Liverpool Chelsea game in 2014. Oh, they thought we were just here to be the clowns. We were just here to be the clowns, just going around and doing car wheels while they while they got the trophy. But you know he said the same thing to them at halftime. Uh, City, well. Uh, there will never have been clowns like it for uh, Liverpool Football Club if they manage to uh, clown it up. If you're keen to hear our Champions League podcast during the week, get on to secondcaptains.com and join the World Service family. Thanks very much, Ken. Thanks very much, Kieran. Thank, Thank you, you all. Oh, Thank you, Ken. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. I've just got a bit of more work to do here. Deanna Troy, Star Trek. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.